Hey, everybody. It's Tony Moore. I'm your host of Winning at Work. It is episode 87. And, you know, the companies that have a mission, that have a purpose, they seem to be able to attract better talent. And it's a motivating force for everyone that works at the company, particularly the founders, because they start off with an idea, a passion, something that is so deeply important to them that it becomes their fuel, their inspiration, and it really kind of helps them overcome obstacles. And it gives them a clear kind of guiding North Star that they are working toward. And, you know, I watch the news. I, I pay attention to CNBC and Squawk Box. I kind of look at what, you know, what's going on out there. And, of course, plant-based foods are really hot right now, the whole good for you movement. And I noticed that there was a company out in California starting to make some news and the, the owner of the company, the founder of the company was on, I think it was CNBC. And it kind of struck my attention. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to reach out to this, to this president, to this founder of this company. And lo and behold, timing worked out just right. And I was able to have, sit down and have a, a fabulous conversation with Elon Steinhardt. And he is, he's the founder of, a co-founder of Eclipse. And the name of the company is, is pretty fascinating, the backstory of it. He goes into it a little bit. But when you think of an eclipse, you know, it's a unique event. People chase, you know, eclipses. They, they travel around the world, these eclipse hunters, because they're very unique. And I think, I think Elon believes they have a very unique opportunity to do something and really kind of eclipse the market. And do something that's never been done, and that's completely take over dairy, every dairy product with a plant-based alternative. And it started for them with an ice cream. And as we get into this episode, you're going to discover that Elon and his co-founder, they unlocked, and it's patent pending, the secret behind what makes milk, what makes dairy so kind of creamy. And I'm not going to, you know, spoil it now and kind of get into that, but he'll he'll kind of walk us through a little bit of the science behind that and, and what they were able to discover. And by discovering this, it's given them a platform to then go out and create these other alternatives within the dairy world. And in this episode, you're going to learn just about just how big the dairy world opportunity is for plant-based and particularly for Eclipse the origin of their dairy platform, and really his passion to transform the food system. We've talked about this before with other guests. There apparently is a big need in the existing commercial supply chain for food and the animals that are stuck in that. It's an enormous industry. I think the numbers are about $1.4 trillion for the dairy space. Um, don't fact check me on that. Um, we get into blind taste testing, how well it's been doing, the growth compared to other categories. It's, it's just remarkable. And I, I'm really excited to introduce everyone to Eclipse and to Elon Steinhardt. That's the episode that I have for you today. And I suspect in a very short period of time, we're going to see Eclipse expanding out of ice cream into other categories in dairy, and it's going to be nationwide. And hopefully, this will be one of your first uh, exposures to Eclipse, and you can say you you heard it here first. So sit back, enjoy, and by all means, be sure you connect with Elon on LinkedIn and start following this really, really interesting 
I guess it's still considered a startup company in the plant-based space. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Winning at Work. I'm your host, Tony Moore, and today I have the CEO of Eclipse Foods. I want to tell you a little bit about Elon Steinhardt. Um, Elon is the founder and CEO of Eclipse Foods, and he has spoken regularly on food innovation at Harvard, Yale, Berkeley, and Stanford. He's been featured in Forbes and Wall Street Journal. I think you even had a segment on Squawk Box, I believe, on CNBC, which is exciting. I need to go back and, and watch that. Um, and I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about the Good Food Institute because that's the leading nonprofit in alternative proteins. And you've been really just giving a lot of your time helping uh, incubate and mentor these uh, investors and you know young entrepreneurs as they launch out into this world of you know alternate uh, protein. And you've joined us today to talk about Eclipse Foods and ice cream and everything else and, and how you guys plan to disrupt the dairy market. So, Elon, thank you so much and, and welcome into the program today. Well, thank you so much, Tony. It's great to be here. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule as you guys disrupt all of the dairy world. You know, when we, you and I first talked and you were kind of telling me a little bit more about Eclipse and the backstory, which I really want you guys, you know, want you share with, with my listeners. You know, you, you said, Tony, we're not really here just to disrupt ice cream. You know, we want to disrupt all of dairy. And I thought, wow, this is a huge vision. It's a huge goal. So that's why I really wanted to have you on today. I want to hear all about, you know, this idea of, of how do you even disrupt, you know, a market this size. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting into this. But uh, before we do, tell us a little bit more about Eclipse and that backstory. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So Eclipse really started uh, from me being at the Good Food Institute, which, as you just mentioned, is the leading nonprofit in the alternative protein space. And Thomas, uh, my co-founder, who was at the time the director of product development at Hampton Creek, so he created some of the best-selling plant-based products in the world, like Just Mayo, the cookies. You ever saw the team that created the Just Egg? Um, and we were both in our respective roles looking at the industry, uh, the industry being alternative protein, and looking at that landscape and saying, you know, it's a really interesting thing. There is Impossible and Beyond, pretty early days, but they're making amazing meat products that can really serve as, as this replacement product for meat that a meat eater can really swap up for their burger. And Just had actually just come out with the Egg 2.0, and that was a pretty great egg product that, that a omnivore could really swap up for their eggs. But in dairy, what we were seeing, ironically, although there were a lot of substitutes out there, like a soy milk or cashew cheese or oat ice cream or anything like that, there wasn't actually the equivalent of that replacement, that Beyond Burger or Impossible Burger in the dairy world. And so we said, the world obviously needs this because what Impossible and Beyond have shown us is that if you create a product that's a true replacement, you can get 94 plus percent of your consumers to be mainstream consumers, to be omnivores. And we really need that for the dairy sector in order to really transform the food system to make it a more ethical, humane, and sustainable food system. Uh, and so we said, 
let's do that in dairy. And really that was the, the origin of Eclipse is how do we make plant-based dairy products that are actually indistinguishable from their animal counterparts? Yeah, I would think that would be the, the most difficult part is that creating that one-for-one swap. And I think that's the challenge, right? You can create something that's wonderful in and of itself, but when you put it up against a dairy product, you know, how is it going to compete? Have you guys ever done any like blind taste tests? Have you done anything just to see how well this, this ice cream kind of matches up? Yeah, absolutely. We, we love blind taste tests uh, because that's, that's when you take all the bias out of it, right? And so we worked with uh, a UC Berkeley professor to run a blind taste test of our ice cream uh, versus the best-selling dairy ice cream in the United States, and the results were incredible. So 73% of the 100-plus people who uh, responded, 73% said that Eclipse was actually creamier than the best-selling dairy ice cream in the U.S., and a majority actually preferred us. So that was a moment where we said, okay, we're really onto something. And, and this whole innovation, the whole dairy platform that we've developed with, uh, I can talk more about the technology, but basically that innovation is enabling us to make products like ice cream that actually outperforms dairy ice cream or like a plant-based milk or yogurt or cheese that can actually outperform the dairy version. And that's really when we're going to transform this entire market and you know, take the tiny 2.5% market share of plant-based dairy in the whole dairy market and turn that into more like, you know, 50% or plus. And that represents an $856 billion opportunity in terms of market share today. So very, very exciting time to disrupt dairy. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And I think you guys are obviously, you know, getting attention because, when you have a product that tastes that good and it has all the benefits that you mentioned, I mean, look, some people, you know, they're lactose intolerant. They, they can't have milk, but then you have all the other reasons why people want to go into this, you know, alternate protein space. There's lots of them. They're all good. You can combine all of that and it tastes good. And you said what, 73%, you know, couldn't tell the difference. And then the, a percentage even preferred it. I mean, that is really incredible because, you know, I've tried a lot of plant-based things and, you know, I kind of struggle with trying to get that texture, that feel the way that I'm used to. And as I think, as this, you know, as the innovation really catches up, like you said, the, the marketplace for you guys, it's, it's just incredible. Can, can you give us a few more of the stats just kind of around plant-based, kind of what the, what the trends are, maybe the revenues, you know, for plant and versus non-plant and dairy, non-dairy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you, you look at the plant-based space, I mean, it's, it's growing so, so fast. In the last two years, 43% growth uh, for the plant-based sector were uh, growing 2.5 times faster than the rest of the food sector. So it's obviously outperforming basically everything else in food, which is a very exciting place to be in. Um, but the market is still teeny tiny. So if you uh, you look you look at the total market size compared to the kind of meat, dairy, and egg size. It's it's absolutely small. Um, we're at about seven billion to uh, seven billion to ten billion uh, of revenue. And according to Credit Suisse, by 2050, 
plant-based alternatives will be $1.4 trillion. So we're talking about a hundred X with a T <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's a hundred X growth from where we are today. And so for us as a company, it, it is really exciting because we look at, we look at these early wins of Oatly with their IPO and beyond meat with their IPO. And you realize like, this is just the beginning because if we're about to have a hundred X growth, there's going to be a lot more Oatleys, a lot more beyonds. And we feel like Eclipse is absolutely going to be one of those uh, big winners in that transition. And to your point, you know, we have, I, I mentioned this number earlier, but we have 2.5% market share of the dairy market is plant-based, but 85% of the world is, is lactose intolerant like 85% of the population. So there's just a massive, massive number of people who are just waiting to be converted. Uh, and I think that's where Credit Suisse sees that, okay, $1.4 trillion by 2050, there's going to be a massive change in the way that people eat. Do you think our supply chain has to change to keep up with this? I know there's kind of a, a debate. I don't want to get too too granular in that, but or, or do you think you you can deliver what you want in the existing sort of commercial supply chain as it exists today? Well, I think supply chains are going to change a lot. Um, and I think that's going to create a lot of jobs, uh, which is obviously very exciting. Um, supply chains have to change because today we have a system that relies on cows that are wildly inefficient. I mean, like a, a calorie for, from a cow, um, in terms of like meat, uh, requires 25 calories worth of crops to grow. So it's an inherently super inefficient system, right? For every 25 calories of soybeans that I grow to feed a cow, I get one calorie out from meat and dairy is also super inefficient. So I think as we see this transition, we're going to do a lot less monocropping because right now the number one reason that we monocrop, which for those who are not familiar, is really bad for the soil and for the planet. And so a lot less monocropping because the number one source of monocrops is actually for, for uh, feeding animals, right? And so I think we're going to replace that with high-quality crops that people want to eat directly. And that's going to create a lot of jobs. It's going to be very exciting because um, in the end... When something is higher quality, it requires more care. And uh, monocropping is something that can really be industrialized. Uh, but the hope is that as these alternatives get better, as people adopt them, there's going to be a great variety of crops that are used. For example, of course, there's, there's soy protein, right? There's pea protein, but there's also rice protein. And there's also fava bean protein. And there's just a a lot of plants that need to be grown as the system transitions over. You know, I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not qualified to get into the, you know, the details. And I mean, I wouldn't even try to get into your, your secret sauce. I, that's not the intent here, but you mentioned the technology that's being used to convert, you know, traditional proteins into these, you know, remarkable one-to-one -one substitutes. I know my listeners are very curious, you know, how does that even happen? How does it start? And obviously that's your engine to get into disrupting this dairy market. And that kind of could maybe feed us into our, our main theme, you know, is, is, you know, how, how to be a disruptor in your market. 
Yeah, the the IP that Eclipse uses is is pretty transformational, and it's obviously unique to ours uh, to us because we discovered it, um, and it really is what enables us to to be a disruptor. And so I'll give you some some background on it. So we essentially discovered what the magic of milk is, um, and what that turns out to be the magic of dairy milk are these micelle formations. There are these microscopic structures that are found in the casein protein of uh, dairy. So it's, it's something that naturally occurs in dairy. And so we said, this is really the magic of milk. This is what allows dairy milk, well, first what it gives it that taste and that texture and that mouthfeel, but also what allows it to do this magic thing, which is transform from a liquid milk into a semi-solid like a cream or a solid like a cheese and so we said how can we actually recreate this one for one but in plants so 100 percent non-gmo plants this isn't some sort of biotech it's how do we take the right plants and process them in the right way to get these micelles to occur but in plants and that's exactly what we did so we created this dairy platform based on these micelles and what we get is the world's first plant-based platform that is patent pending that actually makes products with the taste and mouthfeel of animal dairy. So whether that's ice cream or cheese or yogurt or the milk itself, we're able to create with these micelles a product that actually has that taste, texture, and functionality of dairy that people really, really love. And so, therefore, we're able to give people products that they don't have to sacrifice for. And that no sacrifice means that we can win over mainstream consumers and really transform the market. Yeah, I think there's another meaning behind your, your company name, Eclipse. I kind of feel like you all really hit on a really cool and clever name. I just love it. I, I think it conjures a lot of images in mind and then, of course, eclipsing the kind of traditional marketplace. All those foods you described, I absolutely love. And I, I really can't wait to kind of try this and kind of, you know, be my own kind of show me. I'm, I'm one of those show me guys, you know, you can tell me, and I think most consumers are like that, you know, you can tell me, but let me taste it. Let me, let me really feel. And so you guys sorted it out. It's a, it's, it's a my cell. I'm going to have to go and do a little research to figure out what the heck that is. Now that you've got this technology, this, this platform that allows you to innovate Elon, how how do you even decide which category you want to go after? Do you just rely solely on market data and say, okay, hey, milk's declining, let's not worry about that? You know, how do you suss out the different directions and choices that are are put in front of you? Yeah, Eclipse first and foremost is a mission driven company, and our mission, as I said before, is to create a more sustainable, healthy and humane food system. And when we when we look at the market and we look at the world actually and we see that climate change is is posing an existential risk to humanity and animal agriculture is a huge contributor of that. In fact, contributing more climate change uh, causing greenhouse gases than all of transportation combined. And so we think diets have to change. And luckily, when you look at the, the research, actually the most comprehensive research uh, to date on this subject, it, it shows that switching to a plant-based diet is the single biggest thing 
that individuals can do to combat climate change. And so the, the data is clear. A plant-based diet equals 73% lower greenhouse gas footprint from food. Like, these are huge numbers. So why, why am I telling you all of that? Well, as a mission-driven company that is our mission is to lower the greenhouse gases, lower the animal suffering, lower the uh, human health issues associated with products from animals. We basically look at the data and say, where is the biggest, where is the biggest opportunity for impact? And that actually is a one-for-one one with what is the biggest market share. So for us, it's very simple because we're here to, to really change the way that people eat dairy, um, to have them eat plant-based dairy that is just as delicious, just the same price eventually, um, just as nutritious. And so we started with ice cream because ice cream is a massive category and it's pretty underserved. It's 2.5% of, or sorry, 3% of the uh, total ice cream category is plant-based ice cream compared to milk is at about 16%. So we said, okay, let's tackle ice cream. Let's win people's hearts and minds with ice cream. But of course, let's look at what other categories are huge. So milk is huge and cheese is huge and yogurt is huge. And so for us, it's, it's very clear where we're going to go next because we, we're just taking over the entire dairy aisle, um, but taking over in a, a very friendly and delicious way. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I, I kind of wish this had been videoed because we probably would have got a little sly little smile out of you on that one. That would have been <laughs> that would have been worth seeing, um, you know, taking over in a delicious and friendly way. Um, I don't know. That just kind of strikes my funny bone. I, I think what you said, you know, it resonates. You're just looking at because you're mission based. Where can you make the biggest impact coupled with where is there the least amount of, you know, plant-based penetration into the market? And like you said, uh, I think you said, what, milk is 16% versus ice cream at 3%. So, you know, the the opportunity for gains there is, is quite high. And I think you guys also benefit from Beyond and Impossible's marketing budget out there kind of paving the way. So more and more people are becoming kind of familiar with this concept. I mean, obviously, it's been around for over 20 years, but it's really hitting the mainstream now when you can, you know, drive into Burger King and pick up a, you know, a plant-based burger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, beyond an impossible, they were what inspired me to, to get involved. Um, honestly, is even before impossible launched, I, I learned about them and I said, okay, I get this. Like we can use innovation and entrepreneurship to really transform the food system in a positive way. Um, and like I mentioned before, Impossible and Beyond, over 94% of their consumers are meat eaters. And so that really shows us that if we can make these products really good, if we can create products that require no sacrifice from the consumers on taste and texture, then we will win them over. Because the number one reason the research shows the number one reason people choose to avoid plant-based foods is taste. And so really we just, we have to start by meeting them on taste and then price and then availability. And once we do that, we truly do transform the world and it's an exciting thing. So when, so do you guys use the traditional kind of, um, distributor model to deliver to, to grocery stores and other outlets? I mean, you obviously have some e-commerce on your website as well, but are right now are you currently using the existing distributor platform? 
Absolutely. We want to meet consumers where they are. Um, interestingly enough, we launched during COVID. So we have had to overcome some really significant challenges to, to get the, the results that we're seeing today. Um, and those challenges included grocery stores not wanting to talk to anyone and food service operators saying, hey, we're just focused on keeping the lights on. And so we needed to work with all these partners um, in a way that was very empathetic to what was happening to them. And I, I feel really proud because we have always said, let's get this product out there in a way that is most efficient and where we can keep lowering and lowering the price to be able to actually give consumers the prices that they're used to paying with dairy. And the results have been fantastic. So I don't know if you'd like me to talk a little bit about the latest sort of market traction, but that's what gets me excited. Kind of launching in COVID, overcoming a lot of challenges on the supply chain, on, on uh, just labor slowdowns and getting set up in distribution. And I'm really proud to say that Eclipse is right now the f number one fastest growing plant-based brand in, in the natural channel in terms of number of doors and the number one fastest selling new plant-based ice cream. So like, we are, we're really seeing this meteoric rise despite all the challenges. Um, and in 2021 alone, we actually grew our retail presence by almost 700% expanding from being just in California to being available in almost every single major geography in the United States. So that's you been need to like, come to Atlanta. You need to come to Atlanta. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, it's I'm drooling over here. <laughs> well, mean, what was I thinking talking about ice cream and I can't even get it out here. Um, look, I mean, I, I, it, look, it takes time to scale and you just can't meet all the demand immediately. You have to, you know, have investors, you have to, well, I imagine you have to have investors. I know you guys have done a little bit with, um, YC, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that's probably a, another conversation for another time, but that's kind of an interesting little funding kind of seed, uh, program you guys went through. So, um, it's just very expensive to, to do this. Are you, do you guys use co-packers? What, what, what's your, your strategy to, to manufacture? We do. We use co-packers and we have uh, manufacturing capabilities on both coasts. So that's really helpful in terms of uh, being more efficient because shipping frozen things is, is difficult. Um, but you're right. I mean, you do, you do need capital in order to grow fast and really compete against some huge incumbent players. I mean, Nestle, Unilever, like these are, these are really, really big, well-oiled machines. And if you're going to win against them, you absolutely have to have a product that's, that's the best. And there we feel very, very, uh, very proud. Um, and you have to be able to spend right. Um, so you're never going to win on that, that, you know, toe to toe, like out of home against one of these massives, but you can hit people where they are and meet your consumer where they are. And so we are very lucky. As you said, we went through Y Combinator, which is the world's leading tech accelerator. Uh, we have investment from Alexis Ohanian, who's the founder of Reddit, uh, from Seth Goldman, who is the chairman of Beyond Meat. Um, we also have investment from Initialized Capital, uh, from Forerunner Ventures. So some really, really incredible investors. Um, but 
you know, we're not, del- we're not deluded. Like we, we know, okay, we need to, that's important. <laughs> well, we're deluded in that way, but we're not delusional in that we, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the word was a Freudian deluded, slip. Obviously. Yes. We got, we got deluded. Yeah. No, we're not delusional in that. In that. Um, you know, we need to be smart about where we spend our money. So we need to think where, where are our consumers and what digital channels and what, what kind of field marketing do we do and what kind of interactions do we engage with and what kind of programs do we fund through the stores that actually move the needle. And that's been really the, the fun part that, that is always hand in hand with the growth is you, you have to make the product fly off shelves. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all the different components and the complexity and then managing your investors and your investors' expectations. And all through that, you're doing this through COVID and you're trying to get into grocery store chains. It's it's kind of remarkable, honestly. Um, And this was an idea that just spun out of your mind, right? I mean, this was – this is your brainchild. Yeah. Thomas and I sat down and – we said, what should we do? And we, yeah, we set out that day to, to create products that are indistinguishable from their animal counterparts and kind of the, the rest will fall into place from there. There are a lot of cooks and chefs and scientists that are tinkering around in their kitchen. They know they want to be part of this. They, they've been hearing the, the statistics, much of what you had brought up earlier. What advice do you have for an entrepreneur that is trying to disrupt, that's trying to make their way in this, in this space of food and or beverage? I think first and foremost, the advice is that if you're passionate about it and, and you believe in yourself and you believe that it's something that, that the world wants, give it a shot. I'm not saying it's going to work. Uh, no one knows what's going to work, right? There's such strange things that end up becoming huge. Um, but what I'm saying is that just give it a shot is is the, the first thing. Because it's even for me, and I'm not a first-time founder, even for me, I've been surprised at, at how doable this has been. Um, of course, like all the pieces ha- have had to be in place. but And partnering with Thomas has been incredible. But it it's, it's doable. It's within the realm of possibility. So I, I think that's one just like very high level thing. I think the second thing that is really important is making something different and making something that is going to stand out because there is for our space, for example, there's enough almond milks out there and there's enough cashew cheeses out there. And there's enough oat ice creams out there. And we don't need another one of those. And the market doesn't care for it. You're, you're never going to win by making the exact same product, but telling a, a story that is, you know, the so, some story that is just a little bit more clever or fun. I mean, you could have a small win, but you're not going to make an absolute massive change in the world. And I think... If you're already working on something, you might as well work on something huge. And if you want to work on something huge, then I think that doing something different is is really the way to go. 
Yeah, dream big. You've really got my wheels spinning too because it's sometimes not enough just to build a better mousetrap. I mean, it's really got to stand out. I've heard there are certain categories that are growing and some that are slumping. You've touched on them a little bit, you know, that some of these are oversaturated and you really don't don't need to get into it. Um, do you... Do you want to tell us about uh, you know your your next idea that's going to be out there, or is that something you want to wait and reveal later when it actually hits the hits the streets? Yeah, I, I think uh, in terms of which product next, um, we want to keep that sort of behind closed doors. But I I will say like it's not it's what I said before. I mean we're going after really transforming the dairy market, and so any big dairy product that you can imagine we have worked on and and have prototypes for and so it's a matter of really figuring out and deciding okay this is when we're going to roll this out this is when we're going to roll this out um but we are excited we're excited for really for the day where someone can walk into the grocery store uh and pick up two products one being traditional dairy whether it's milk cheese ice cream yogurt Etc., and pick up the Eclipse version and really say to themselves, well, these products are the same. They taste the same. They're priced the same. They nutritionally are the same. But one just happens to be better for me and better for the planet and better for animals and better for my kids and their future generation and makes me feel better physically. And by the way, also makes me feel better about myself because I'm eating in line with my values and the way that I want to see myself in the world. And I think it's that moment. And that one is Eclipse, by the way, because that's the plant-based <laughs> one. Right. And I think that's the moment where we really start to see widespread transformation because we make the default choice, the better choice, or the better choice, the default choice. And that's, that's really the vision for the company and what we're super excited about uh, bringing to the world. Yeah, it sounds like you're close. It sounds like you're, you've kind of made past that, that first hurdle. And I know you, you do advise and you do consult with some of these, these smaller firms and you've um, you talked about, you know, if you're going to work on something, work on something big, when you did that and you started to to launch, what were some of the first steps that you took that maybe another entrepreneur might want to follow in those steps? Let's you know, let's say it's not dairy. Let's say it's it's just another another product in food, but they they feel like they can disrupt. What are some of the practical next steps? I mean, do you literally just go to your your farmers market and open up a stand, and suddenly you got great feedback, and people want you to create a website, and you're off and running, or is there something? something else that, you know, a local, a local person can do. I think, uh, what we learned from Y Combinator, uh, which is a tech accelerator. Most of what they do is software, but the fundamentals for any sort of product in any company are the same. And their line is make something people want. And I think that the start of every entrepreneurial journey should be to really identify what is the hole in the market that I'm filling? What is the thing that people really, 
really want? And most of the times it's not obvious because all the obvious ideas have been taken, right? But if you have some sort of special insight and you want to start a company in the food world, then really be honest with yourself and, and, and figure out like, is what I'm making something that people want? And if the answer is yes, then the next question is, well, how many people? Because it's great if you have a hundred people that really love your product because it's made in your neighborhood. And it's a very different thing if people all over the nation really love your product because they've been trying to, I don't know, let's say cut down on their carb consumption and now you're bringing them the first ever carb-free donut or whatever have you, right? Um, but I think that just figuring out really what it is that, that people want and then kind of on the same page is figuring out what's out there in the market today. So going out, going to the store, picking up all the competing products and really doing that analysis of what am I going to do differently than what exists today? I think you will have a much more informed and realistic view of the world after kind of running both of those thought processes um, to make something that, that people absolutely love and that you can share with the world. And I just want to say, you don't have to do something huge. It's fine not to, but I think it's important to, to be realistic about, again, like, do people love this? How many people love this? And then where do I want this to go? And I think that as long as you say, okay, I want it to be this, or I want it to be that anything is fine. Um, it's just important to think through those things. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. Just literally going to your grocery store and looking at what's on the shelf and how it's made and how it's packaged, you know, what are the ingredients? What are the things in those ingredients that you don't understand? And what are the ones that are actually bad for you? And if you have a passion in that area, I mean, the road signs could be right there in front of you. It sounds like, you know, that, that kind of hits you right on the head too. You realized um, this is a totally underserved market and it's a love market. Everyone loves ice cream. I've got, we've got all kinds of ice cream in our, in our refrigerator. So um, that's great, you know, practical advice. And we were talking a little bit offline about superpowers and, you know, sometimes my, my guest will, you know, highlight or showcase some things that they do really well. Have you had time to think about, you know, what it is you lean into to accomplish and get these things done? I mean, you, you're accomplishing a lot. So what is it, you know, what skill, what trait do you have something that enables you? Is it focus? What, what is it that allows you to accomplish so many things across a, a, a spectrum? Yeah, I, I, uh, I did think about this and I'm actually reading a book. It's an amazing book called Overstory. It's about uh, trees. It's uh, won the Pulitzer Prize a few years ago. And it's a, a gorgeous book. And in the book, um, there's a moment where they ask, how can we truly change people's minds? And in the book, they say, a good story which is kind of meta because it's a story in and of itself, but it's also true. Um, I think that a, a good story can do so much because it, it can inspire people around you to join you. 
um, to work towards the vision that you've created. And it can bring in supporters to come and financially back you because they believe in the vision that you're setting out. Uh, and it motivates you yourself because it, it kind of sets the story of where you're going and, and how you're doing it and why. Uh, and then it brings in consumers and it makes them fall in love with what you're doing and, and with your product. And I think that first and foremost, my job is to answer the question of what is the story of, of Eclipse and what is the story of plant-based dairy and what is the story of alternative proteins and what is the story of the food industry and what is the story of the planet and really like zooming out and figuring out like how how does how does the story work to bring all of those things together to make this not just you know something nice to think about but really make this uh, uh, turn the story into a plan so i think that if i think about that superpower it was it was cool to hear that in the book because i thought i thought about that and then i read it in the book and i said you know what i, I really agree with this and i think that that's uh, one of the things that that we've been able to do really well at eclipse is really help people understand like what what are the steps to to getting to where we need to be in order to avert climate change and all of these things um from an individual perspective what can we do and then here's a solution that helps us do that and of course there's a ton of a ton of the managerial stuff and a ton of the uh, networking stuff and a ton of just like nitty gritty work. But I think that it all comes down in the, in the kind of baseline. It all is revolved around the story. Yeah. You set the vision and people need to understand what that vision is and a great story paints the picture of the vision and it ev evokes all kinds of different feelings, emotions and thoughts and memories and write a great story tied to your vision. It just connects with people. And frankly, you'll probably be creating a community along the way because your mission, right? You're, you're mission based. You're not just, you know, selling ice cream or selling another, you know, a dairy replacement product, you've got a mission. So people that are also on that mission join in your community. And now you've got this huge community of people that you're serving, not just, you know, products, but also these ideals. And just listening to you speak, I would say, yeah, you are a very good storyteller and it's authentic and it's just genuine and, I, I'm glad you thought about it because when we first talked about it, you mentioned a few things and I thought, okay, that's interesting, but I kind of felt like there was more. And now I think you've, <laughs> I think you hit it. <laughs> I think you found it. Um, well, as we um, wrap up, I would love to get your, uh, your best advice for a hiring leader someone who's out there in a fast growing company or a brand and they're, they're trying to attract people. Have you give, you given some thought to this? How, how could you help a hiring leader? What kind of advice? I think in terms of attracting talent, it's really treating every single call with, with a potential 
teammate, um, treating it like a two-way conversation. Because when you're creating something new, people have so many reasons not to believe you and not to trust you. And so I think it's really important to have that be a two-way conversation to, again, convey that story, convey the vision, but also show who you are as a person. Because in the end, someone, the, the really good people, they're probably used to making a lot of money, having a lot of respect, having a lot of responsibility. And a lot of times coming to a startup means making less money. And um, you still have a lot of respect, but having to roll your sleeves up and do things that that in other companies you probably wouldn't have had to do. I mean, like, I wash the dishes here, you know? Not every day, but we all have to pitch in. Um, and washing the dishes is a totally respected profession. I don't, I don't want to imply anything. <laughs> no, no. It, it, but it just shows though that, you know, you're the CEO of the company. Why, you know, um, and that's a great skill too, a great uh, talent to, um, not let your title go to your head. Exactly. So I think really, really demonstrating that in the conversation and the culture. Um, I yeah. think on the flip side, in terms of how to make the right hire, I think the most, it's, it's actually really obvious. And a lot of people will disagree with me on this. And that's, you know, each person has their approach. But I think the, the best way to de-risk your hire is to find someone who has basically the experience and the um, kind of the pattern matching and the instinct uh, from having done what you need them to do before, uh, and bring in someone who's done that. So, you know, if you're, if you want to bring in someone to work in, in retail sales and to sell to grocery stores, I would bring in someone who's sold to grocery stores before. And it's funny how that seems so obvious, but not everyone does that. So I think, uh, really looking for, for that experience in the early stage, um, where you say, okay, this person, they've really done exactly what I need them to do here. And they have the most transferable skills and the most instincts and they can see around those corners. Um, and in my mind, that's, that's a huge de-risk, not to say that you can't find sort of that diamond in the rough candidate who has a very non-traditional background is an absolute rock star. Um, that absolutely exists, but when you're moving extremely fast, it's, uh, it's harder to, to take the time to, to find those candidates. And there's certain positions that you do need an expert or someone who has the experience. You would never put someone into a VP sales, a food service who doesn't understand how to work with distributors and doesn't understand the grocery stores, et cetera. So, and I've had this conversation with others. They are a firm believer in, in hiring people with the expertise. I think the trick in hiring when you're dealing with uh, labor shortages, as everyone seems to be dealing with, is you do have to figure out which are the positions that you can hire for attitude and culture and they, you know, work ethic and we can train them and ramp them up in these other areas. So you can ha almost have two buckets that you focus on. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that if you have the time and the internal expertise to train people up, um, then hiring for raw talent makes a lot of sense. I think it just super depends where you are in your company growth cycle. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you won't get any arguments from me on that. Although there are times when I wish clients would loosen the requirements because they go a little too granular, you know, and you do want to have, you know, people in your pipeline. You know, if you get too specific, then you'll end up having such a short list of candidates to evaluate. You know, there are there are advantages to having a slightly broader pipeline, but overall I I would I would tend to agree with you. And when you're in a fast growth, you know, startup phase like you guys are, you really you probably do not have time. Well maybe if you didn't wash the dishes, you might you might have more time. I don't know. <laughs> well Honestly, this has been um, it's been fascinating hearing about your your vision, and I really didn't know quite as much about the dairy space, you know, it, the way you've kind of laid it out. So I, I do envision a day when you know I'm heading down the ice cream freezer section, and I look over and I see the cool, you know, brightly colored Eclipse, you know, ice cream. And I pass out of that area and I'm suddenly I'm into the yogurts and the cheeses and I see that brand again because a lot of these companies that, um, that I buy, that I buy, I don't notice the same brand. A lot of times they are different, right? You're, you know, would you take over the whole aisle, so to speak, the whole dairy category? It's very possible that someone could come home with three or four different Eclipse products and it's not just ice cream. So pretty exciting. I, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate the shared vision and I think it is extremely exciting. Well, I love the story of entrepreneurs. I know just how hard it is. It's the American dream. We see it played out here and it's the essence of winning at work. I mean, that's why we have this podcast. We want to hear how people are doing it, how they're winning. And you've shared some of your strategies, you know, your, your mindset, and you know the inspiration behind it and i got a lot out of it and i certainly hope everyone that listened did as well today elon thank you so much for joining us today here on winning at work absolutely tony thank you for the invite